you're on again. Hello. Welcome to episode two of the Thoughtless Casual Gaming Podcast. With, That's what it's called. Yes. Right. <laughs> with Brett and Jace. Uh, we are a Geelong-based uh, gaming podcast where we're going to play some games badly and then we're going to talk shit about them. Um, I'm Brett. I'm Jason. Excellent. We have done introductions. Well, well done. Go. Ah, excellent. This is now officially like we've given 100% more podcasts now after this than yes. we had previously. Um <laughs> Two is one plus one. You're welcome. Excellent. Uh-huh. Um, so, let's uh, get into a bit of a hobby update, first of all. Jace, um, what have you been doing? What have I been doing? Um, look, probably, you know, taking on from the last one that we did, I'm still painting puppies. Um, so, long story short, is going away next weekend with said group of friends. Um, so, I'm frantically trying to get puppies done as sort of a gift for then. Um they're kind of fun, as I said. They're, 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 for those who haven't listened, firstly, stop now, go back and listen to the first one. Um, no, nobody starts at two. Yeah, what are you doing? Um, yeah, when is the sequel better than the original? Uh, hopefully in this instance. But Aliens, um, Empire. So, Predator? Um, Terminator, definitely. Predator's iffy. I do like Predator too. Yeah. But I don't think I like it more than the first. Yeah, Terminator definitely. That's the, the anyway. Um, so uh, showgirls too. <laughs> I actually I don't know if there was a second one. God, I hope not. Uh, Magic Mike too. Um, that was definitely a better than the first. I, anyway, um, <laughs> sorry for basically I found the uh, Steamforge Dungeons and Doggies. Uh, models, which are basically, as the name suggests, Dungeons and Dragons characters, but they're all different dog breeds. So there's, um, you know, a, a golden retriever wizard and a, a dash hound warlock and a something or other paladin and a, a bunch of these. Which one's the necromancer? Look, it seems appropriate for it to be a dash hound. <laughs> like something German, definitely. Um, <laughs> but... Um, so it, it happens to be that a group of friends that um, are all not nerds, so are never going to listen to this, which is why it's safe for me to talk about it, um, are all, have dogs, um, all different breeds, all somewhat represented. Um, there is a really missed opportunity, though, because the the wizard in it is a golden retriever, mm-hmm. not a labracadabrador. <laughs> anyway, um, I was thoroughly disappointed. Um, but anyway, I'm painting those up. As, a, as I said, it's... And it's a really interesting process, painting things that you're going to gift to people who aren't in the hobby at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've done that. I haven't. And it's bloody weird. And I can't work out if there's going to be more sort of, uh, yeah, not necessarily nitpickery, but they don't understand the the detail, the, the effort, and, you know, this kind of stuff. Yours are going to be 10 times better than what I gave my friend, though. Your painting style, this, we've talked about this, a little bit above mine. There's just such a level of nervousness knowing that these people have no concept of what goes into painting at mm-hmm. any level. Um, so, I, I, yeah, I will admit I would be a lot more comfortable doing it for anyone involved in the hobby at all as a gift, um, which is the other piece that I'm working on that, again, will still remain nameless mm-hmm. um, because of the the Christmas in July that may get listened to. Um but primarily, it's been painting puppies, it, a little bit of Malifaux assembly. So, I got a little bit excited and decided that, you know, got to catch them all, 
within reason. So I've restricted yep. myself to a couple of factions and I've just starting to collect the few bits and pieces that I don't own. Um, so I grabbed uh, the Karmic Dats 10 Thunders box, which is basically a big old flaming wheel. He's assembled. He was three pieces. It was magic. Um, he's, you know, undercoated and that's ready to go and I'll, I'll get around to the rest of him at some stage. Um, the other little henchman, which basically is a, you know, Vega from Street Fighter meets something slightly more Asian and female. Um, she's assembled. I only swore a little bit and I only <laughs> dropped a couple of pieces. Um, and then the other two models in there are basically like they're, they're a summoning piece, but they're like origami demons. So there's like paper folded looking crit. And I looked at the sprues and I still had forgotten how much, Malifaux, like the models are amazing, but fuck me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> really, like just, I like going back to Games Workshop models and assembling and painting some of them because sometimes it just feels easier. Like it's just, everything goes together. The way they've been cut up and put on the sprue is really thought out. Sometimes um, Games Workshop ones don't even need glue. You just push fit. I don't believe in push fit. Well, no, um, I, I always glue too, but like, like that's the arguably the, the yes. level of the difference. Yes, um, like I don't believe in articulated pieces in models. Everyone who's ever put the the tank doors or the drop pod doors on pieces that move, stop it! It's wrong. Um, they shouldn't move. But either way, these you just kind of look at the sprue, and they're it's a finer scale because they're actually not like twenty eight mil, not heroic scale. Um, they're all plastic and they're very dynamically posed, which means to cut that up to fit on a sprue, you get fun bits like the back of someone's head is separate to the front of someone's head and the feet are separate pieces. And I've done models where the ears are different, um, you know, the beard. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure that beard's green stuff because it didn't stay on. But anyway, um, so that is the other piece. I basically got one model undercoated ready to go one model assembled and the other two i swore at and painted more puppies that has been me what have you been up to um well i've been doing a little bit of hobby a little bit of geeky stuff um i suppose we'll clear out the geeky stuff first um so my wife and i finished mandalorian um which how did you get that to happen i pushed I'm like, every night she's like, what shall we watch? I said, Mandalorian. And then one night she gave in. Um, but now she is obsessed with Baby Yoda. So she's looking forward to season two. Um, got a little pop vinyl for my son to carry around because he's obsessed. Um, we haven't found an extra to watch yet together, but um, I'm still very proud of myself for her. I'm very proud of her for giving it a go, first of all, but... Um, actually quite happy that there's a Star Wars that she's into now. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also started going through my pile of shame for comics. So I've had... That's a thing? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so I've had a big pile of comics in my drawer next to my bed that for whatever reason, mainly because my wife and I were watching stuff more than mm-hmm. you know, me reading at bedtime. Um, they've been building up and building up and building up and I get, um, 
the DC graphic novel collection delivered once a month. I get three issues of that once a month or so. Um, plus my normal comics that I'm getting from All Star, and it was just growing. So I've started going through those, which is good, getting up to date. Um, the work has also helped me spend money a bit. Um, so there's a couple more pop finals in the house. I managed to get the uh, the four pack of Iron Maiden Eddie pop finals that glow in the dark. Um, I've stuck them next to the TV, hoping that the TV will make them glow, so we'll see. Um, I also got um, He-Man on Battle Cat. He-Man on Battle I saw that last night, and it is a shining beacon of everything that ever needed to be. It is glorious. I love it. I love it. Slowly building up the Masters um, collection. I'm hoping to get to, with any luck, I'm hoping to get to Lobo's next Saturday um, and try and actually get some some proper toys. Um, What else? I also picked up a a Joker Cosbaby that just came in today. I was was looking at them all, and there's, there's ones from 1989 Batman. There's ones from... Dark Knight, and I, I finally settled on the Arkham um, Asylum computer game one. And yeah, he's just glorious. He looks so cute. I've got him sitting there he's... next to the bourbon. Um, so there's been a bit of spending, um, a bit, little bit of Xbox play, not too much. Um, last month, I think I topped out at nearly 6,500 gamer score for, for the Xbox. Um, this month I'm sitting on like 750, so not an awful lot compared. Um, but I have started finally, might be a little bit late to this party, but finally playing Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Everyone I talk to says that's the best one. I, I do have an Assassin's Creed tattoo, which was my farewell to EB Games when I left them. Uh, either farewell or good riddance, depending on which way you want to think about it. Anyway. It could be two things. Um, so I've played I've played most of them, but Black Flag was the one I missed. It was one that I played the first level of when I got it. I got it on launch night, which was the launch night of the Xbox One. Um, I played the first level. It was the first thing I put in the Xbox One. I thought, this is cool. And then I played through all the other shit that I picked up that day. Um, and then I never got back to Black Flag. And then everybody that tells me Talks to me about no other Assassin's Creed game. Black Flag is the one that everybody loves. So about twenty percent through. So really enjoying that so far. When you say twenty percent through, I'm a little bit confused because when you load up the game, you get your save game, and it says how much you're through. Yeah, it says twenty percent. Okay, that's what I'm going with. All right, (laughs) there's a shitload of stuff in it. I'm, I'm. I think it's probably. Um, maybe 20% through the storyline. Yeah, this um, is what I expect. And then when you finish the storyline, it might get to like 98%, and then when you do all the other bits and pieces, so attack on like... More, more to the point, Black Flag was the Assassin's Creed game. Like the storyline in all of them and the way it, it progresses really, really well. But Black Flag was the one game where I could just forget the storyline because I was a pirate. Yes. And that was really the joy, in the, and that's where the hours came from, not necessarily progressing anything. I am just going to pillage and well, plunder. Yeah, and I jumped on the other night, and I started, and I played for a couple of hours, I think, and got to the end, and I was still on the same percentage because I had not played any of the storyline. <laughs> I'd just been mucking around and finding smugglers' dens and... 
having a bit of fun. But um, so that'll keep me going for a little bit. Yes. Um, Hobby-wise, there I talked last time about painting Darth Vader for Star Wars Legion. <laughs> finished him off. I've also finished off four stormtroopers. Um, quite happy with how they came across. Um, what I did first off is I jumped onto YouTube and I found a video by uh, Duncan, mm-hmm. old GW Duncan, and he gave a brief tutorial at how to paint these stormtroopers. I really love the fact that he left GW and just started painting stuff that wasn't G-Dub. Yes. So he's doing, um, you know, Song of Ice and Fire and Legion and all this Doing what he wants to do. It's it's great. Um, I love Duncan. Um, So I watched this video and it said, okay, do this, do this. So just it was using a couple of GW paints. It was using a couple of uh, Vallejo. Mm -hmm. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Cool. That'll do. Um, So a couple of them, and he said, you know, you can, doing it this way, you can get a squad done in a night. He doesn't know me. (laughs) Fuck you, Duncan. Um, So so his army's done is what I'm hearing. Yeah. So I've done four. Um, I don't think four's a squad, and it definitely didn't take me a night. But I have been working on it and sort of playing around and not doing it exactly the way he does it. you know, he started off with a white contrast, which I did too. Um, and then he did a layer of white grey. And I started doing that and my layer does not look like his layer. So when he went into, after that he goes into, I think it's like, what do they call it? Like edge highlight. Yeah. Um, so what did I do? I dry brushed the whole bloody thing. And I think it worked. It honestly <laughs> did. Um and I suppose this is this is the thing about, especially those army scale games too, where you've got fuck knows how many models to paint. Yep. Like, how much do you actually want to invest on every single individual model? Um, and as much as you know, you, you hear people, you know, oh, dry brushing. You know that that's not a thing. I fuck off. Um, I don't dry brush well, but I managed to do it yeah. decently for this. I mean, there are, you know, pro-level competition painters that still dry brush when it works. Um, so, it's still definitely a legitimate technique. And for what you did, like just having a look at them, um, on the tabletop, they look the same as every other. You know, they're stormtroopers. Yeah. They are clearly stormtroopers. And the thing I actually really liked about them, I think I commented last night, was at 28 mil or whatever the hell it is, on a tabletop from three feet away, you actually, I find you need to increase the contrast. Like if you paint something so it looks realistic at that side, you put it on the table and you stand it, you know, back at, you know, arm's reach and nothing really jumps out at you. So you actually need to darken the darks, brighten up the brights and and make it so you can see that from, and like I wear glasses, all right, I'm blind, but... Um, you want to be able to see that. And the smaller the model, the more you almost have to overemphasize that. So I think in this instance, yeah, taking it both ways, that little bit darker and that little bit brighter and forgetting just the edge highlight, but actually pushing those highlights harder have um, made them stand out more. So uh, I'm, I'm very happy with them. You know, like I said, didn't take me a night. Um, it took me a couple of sessions over the course of, um, what's it been, a week and a half? Um, but that's fine. I've done four. So, but I've got the the process down pat now. So I should be able to do a couple more relatively quickly. 
Yeah. Um, besides that, I popped into Throw the Dice and I picked up... Uh, I'd been chatting to you, actually. I said um, for Malifaux I wanted to pick up a model which was an enforcer for an enforcer brawl, which you know, we'll sort of discuss a little bit later. But I didn't want it to be Neverborn, which is what all my other models are. But I still wanted it to capture that Neverborn nightmare type um, feel. And you suggested a model called Marlena. Yeah. Who is basically a chick on a teddy bear. Um, to go with the teddy bear that's normally in Neverborn, uh, which I love, which was my first Malifaux model. Um, so I picked her up, started putting her together, and going back to what you were saying before about Malifaux models, th- like there's a ribbon in her hair, which is in four pieces. Um, yeah. And I'm putting her together, and I put the little teddy together. He went together, no problems, because he was a little bit bigger. And then she goes on his back, and I'm putting her together, and I'm like, there's a bit at the back of her head with a bump. What the hell goes there? That doesn't look right to me. Looks like there's a piece, but which piece? I'm trying to line up the ribbons and stuff, and I eventually just gave up, and I I jumped online and found the instructions. And what goes there? Her hair. I don't know where that was. It wasn't in my box. Um, So... (laughs) Oops. She's currently sitting there with like half her head. Um, but that being said, I emailed Weird the following day and overnight I had a reply back, which basically was a picture saying, uh, with a big circle saying, is this the piece you need? I'm like, yep, that's it. Next day, got a tracking number, so it's on its way to me. Yeah. So I can't fault them for that. Like, good. Really top notch. Yeah. Is actually interesting that that model. So, and I mean to give a little bit of a context, is said Teddy was the first model that you bought, and yep. it was oh my god, there is a giant scary ass Teddy. This is the greatest thing in the world. I had to have it. Yeah, um, and you know, for, for good or bad, there's like four or five different alternate versions of Teddy. But anyway, um, we'll get onto those later. Weird ran a uh, like a campaign, a worldwide mm-hmm. campaign. And what they did is they had a bunch of different characters that they introduced in the game. And depending on the results, so you decided to play a faction, our cast or Neverborn or whoever else, yep. as part of the campaign. And then all your games, you logged your score. And then depending on who won each of those, you could basically bid for the character. Um, and throughout the course of the campaign, they progressed the storyline. So um, Marlena in this instance is this little girl who wakes up in a house and, you know, family's gone probably, you know, for better or worse. Um, (laughs) They're gone. Um, And she meets a a widow weaver and she starts to learn a little bit about how they create and, you know, repair the teddies and stitch them up and create these nightmare teddies. Um, And then she gets taken in by someone else and blah, blah, and she ends up because of the results of the campaign through that story, she ended up um, as an outcast. Yep. I think she fell in with um, Leviticus and his crew, which is how that fit in. Um, So she ends up in the outcast faction, but because of the story, they tried to make her model representative of her background. So she rides this kind of teddy that she's fixed up and animated and stuff. And it's a bit fun. Um, and it suits exactly what I asked you for. I wanted an enforcer that wasn't Neverborn, but still captured that flavour. Um, really, you 
just change the colour of her cart and she'd fit right in. Yeah. <laughs> she looks exactly the same as all the other Neverborn stuff, which is great. I'm reasonably sure there's any number of Neverborn players who are upset that they didn't win that particular mm-hmm. model in the campaign. Um, but it was good. It literally fell down to whoever won sort of games and, and recorded scores and got involved in the, the campaign, which was fun. Um, but yeah, yeah. That, that four bits of ribbon... <laughs> I did a similar, similar piece, a belt that was four pieces or four or five pieces. And you're just like, oh, I can't. Oh, weird. I can't. They're, what they're are you gorgeous. Doing? But they look amazing, but um, you curse the living hell out of that company when you're putting them together. I swear to God. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, that's just that little bit of pain before you get to the sweet spot. But yeah, yeah it's, it, it can be frustrating. Especially when you sit there for 20 minutes going, what the hell goes here? Like, I cannot work it out. And I eventually brought up a picture of the sprue and I'm like, oh, that's where it should be. It's not on my sprue. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, so she will hopefully have her hair by next time we record and be all put together and maybe undercoated if I'm lucky. Um I also talked last time about my Underworlds Elves, mm-hmm. of which I've done one of the four. I've done nothing. Nothing. No update. So Not, not even like a, a percentage increase? No. Of, okay. I moved them around my desk a little. <laughs> so they're not in exactly the same spot they were last time, but they're still yeah. on my desk. Just blew some of the dust off. And... That's it. I mean, I'll, I'll aim is I'll try and finish these Stormtroopers. I've got a, quite a few Stormtroopers to do. Um, and I haven't attempted the squad leader or the, the heavy weapons guys yet. That's my next step. Um, I'm also trying to muck around with the basing as well. Mm-hmm. So I've put something together on these guys, which I think is kind of like Sandy Tatooine type stuff. Um, but I've got another texture paint that I want to get my hands on, which I think might sort of break it up a little bit. Um, so what I figured there is that you know I'll do different base styles to mm. differentiate the squads. Okay. So that you can look at them and see what they are. Um, and there's, you know, okay. I don't know if there's much point in putting like a red stripe down a helmet if yeah. I'm not going to paint it straight in the first place. So <laughs> um, basing it is. But that's it. That's it for, for my hobby update. Um yeah, cool. you, you were saying yeah, it took you however long to paint four. Oh, I reckon I four guys. I reckon I've painted maybe two since we've recorded last time. So you know, numbers is not all. But I'm also mm. living in a space where I. Uh, I've seen your dog, so. They, look, the other frustrating because they, Steamforge kind of went to a soft plastic, right? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think um, Night Models have done that too recently with. Uh, quite a bit of comments on the yeah. interwebs. Um, and not only d- does that mean they're a little bit bendy and stuff, they're not, they're not terrible at all. Single pose, but the detail in some areas is just not quite as crisp as yep. um, you used to from, from a lot of the other companies. And um, I didn't see some of those mold lines until, and they're really shit. They're just like right down the middle of the face kind of mold lines um, that are now going to be there forever because I do not clean up a model once I've started painting. Um, but if these people aren't gamers per se, are they going to notice? 
I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we will see. But either way, um, that was, you know, a little bit of that, me trying to work out where the eyes actually should go on these things. Um, but I'm living in a space where I almost have more projects. Like, I'm, I'm getting paralysis because there's too much sitting there waiting to get painted. And I don't know which ones to do yep. first or next or... I've got a whiteboard in the man cave and I've listed the main things that I want to get painted, but I'm really trying not not to look at it because I'm like, well, stormtroopers are a thing. I can do them. I know that I can do them now. That'll be my thing. And they'll, they'll sit on my desk and I'll work my way through them. And then um, I really do want to get back to those, those Underworlds elves um, because I was mucking around with contrast paints on that and mixing, you know, colors while wet so having like a, a dark brown contrast paint and putting that down and then from the other end putting a light green contrast paint and then mix it by just sort of flowing them into each other while they're still wet it kind of gives it somewhat decent yeah i'm not doing it very well but it still looks all right that is the concept of wet blending right um there. so yeah those that's why they're still on the desk mm-hmm. um I do need to do some stuff for Christmas in July. Um, yes. Got one idea, but luckily I only need to finish off the base for that, so that's fine. Um, but I need others, another idea. Yeah, yeah. So. I, um, and look, the, the thing that really gets me going on these is deadlines. So next weekend, weekend away, that's kind of my deadline for the puppies. That's yep. happening. Christmas in July, if we work out when we're doing that, that will get my ass into gear for that. August? Um, Sound good? September? Yeah, Christmas yep. in July and September. That works for me. Um, the, a little bit more time. You know, I, I'm still eyeing off the fact that it's now a month away from the Throw the Dice painting comp mm-hmm. and all the pieces are currently sitting at me, stare, like going, we probably need us to, to get started. Um, so as that deadline looms, that will become a pretty high priority um, and then we'll go from there. So deadlines are a thing. Mm-hmm. This is why you know, this is actually why I really enjoyed entering tournaments yeah. back in the day. It gave me an excuse to get some stuff done. 2am painting job. If you are not painting in a hotel room the night before the tournament, drunk as a skunk at 2am, it's not really a tournament. Yeah, that seems fair. basically the rule. Um, I've done that way too many times. <laughs> And the times when I was actually vaguely ready, I was doing it with someone else for their, like helping someone else get their stuff finished. Um, we'd done a few production lines in hotel rooms, ridiculous hours on a Friday night. Um, Lovely. That's how stuff gets done. Yeah, that's it. Sometimes you just need a little helping hand. <laughs> um, all right. So, shall we go into gaming? We played a game. We played a game. Now, when we talked about this, obviously, in the intro, what we want to do here is... There's so many different games out there and so many times you or me or various people in our chat groups will get excited about a game and you know stuff will be talked about and whether the game itself actually happens or not is... It's a relatively running joke. Like It's a pretty common running joke that we say, oh, guys, we need another game to buy models for and never paint or play. Um, that, that's a pretty standard thing. Um, like when the guys started playing Lord of the Rings, which, nah, no, I'll pass. Um, but I was just waiting for this to be, and I literally didn't even look at it 
because it was going to be another game that people bought stuff for and that sat in boxes or assembled and never got painted, never got played with. And and they actually started playing games. And that was rude. Um, cause but that, really, really impressive. But yes. At the same time. Like, um, really, the, the amount of games those guys have played and the enthusiasm they have for it is great. It's just, it's not what usually happens. We usually go, Warcry, that sounds good. Everybody gets a, a crew. Warband, and then we all go, oh, and what's next? Wonderworlds. Or, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what we thought is that, that we try and, and play some of these games and talk about them and talk about how we, and what we enjoyed, what we didn't enjoy, um, you know, how, how we played them, whether or not that's the right way to play it or not is beside the point and you won't get a hundred percent accurate commentary. I, I understand that you're probably getting commentary from guys that are playing the games for the first time, you know, yeah. or the first time in a long time. It's going to be, if not completely raw, rusty as hell. Um, and we might be rolling six sided dice instead of 20 sided dice or something. I don't know. We'll make mistakes, which is fine. So what we'll do is we'll play a game, we'll have a chat about it, and, you know, the following podcast we'll play another game and we'll have a chat about it. And, you know, if we get people on to, to have a chat too, that'd be good. But um, I talked to Jason. I said, um, you know, first one, you know, should we do something where we're not known for, something new, something different? Um, so we played Malifaux. Something. Well, look, the good thing is, is we're not known, so we can't be known for it. Um, <laughs> well, you you have a name in the Malifaux, which, Melbourne. Yeah. So, I mean, Malifaux second ed, let's be really clear about this. They changed the game rudely, and now I don't know any of the rules. Um, but to be fair, has any sort of anything been run for third ed in, in Australia? No, too, ten, too tense to shit all. Mm. Um, I think, you know, there's been a couple of small ones over in WA, maybe something in Sydney, but really not heaps, mm. um, which is good because it got me off the hook for doing it. Um, <laughs> so what we're doing is we're going with a bit of experience. We're playing a game that generally we know how it plays, we know how it flows, Um and so we might have, you know, a little bit of intelligent conversation about it today. Um, next podcast, no guarantees. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what is Malifaux, Jace? Look, Malifaux, um, if I'm going to sum it up, because I have hundreds of times before, <laughs> um, skirmish game is probably the first point. So we're not dealing with armies. We're dealing with, you know, five to ten models. Um, it is uh, a... Victorian steampunk horror theme, I think is the, mm-hmm. the best best description I've heard. Um, and with that, you basically get cowboys, zombies, ninjas, demons, you know, you name it. Um, so there's, there's how many factions? There was seven and then they kept adding them. Now there's slightly more, but, you know, okay. eight-ish. So each sort of faction has its own flavour. Yeah, so, I mean, for example, you get the guild, which are basically the law. They're, they're kind of that. They're your cowboys. They're your, um, uh, you know, kind of city officially type of people. Um, and then you get the Neverborn, who are, you know, kind of... All me. Yeah. <laughs> creepy demons and, you know, things from people's nightmares. And, you know, Teddy's made flesh and given claws and stuff like that. 
Um, you have uh, an entire gremlin or bayou faction, um, which is, you know, deliverance, but smaller and green. Um, and pink? Yeah, there's a lot of pigs. They really, really. <laughs> so, um, you know, your arcanists, which are basically your um, saboteurs and, you know, the wizardy type people. Um, unions and such trying to bring down the power. So there's this really, and the thing I like about Malifaux is how story driven it is. And that's, you know, legitimately how they pitch the original version of the game. It's this really story driven, um, skirmish game. Um, so the, it's one of those things. If you like anything, there will be something in there for you. So it's a really easy sell in that regards. Um, it's really fun in that you don't need a shit ton of models to play. You will end up buying them, but you don't need them theoretically. Um, and the entire base mechanic is so different to any other war game I'd played. So this concept of fate um, and the way they... they uh, demonstrate or they, they give you fate is through a deck of cards, standard poker deck kind of deal. And so by flipping a card instead of rolling a dice, that's kind of what fate deals you mm-hmm. as a result. Um, so no dice at all in this game. I know. It's so refreshing because dice hate me. Um, <laughs> so the extra half of that is that each uh, turn you get a hand of cards like a poker hand um, and you can use that hand to cheat fate Um, so to basically use one of those cards to replace whatever you flip Uh, and this concept of you know cheating fate is uh, a really interesting you know different mechanic and it gives you this kind of illusion of control um, over over the result a little bit Um, as long as you have a decent hand to start off with yeah and, yeah, there's a whole resource management piece in there. Um, it's also, look, it's probably one of the you know, deepest games, if you want to talk, you know, tactical capability, like possibility, in that, you know, it is all about objectives and how you play them and, and that kind of piece. So it's all about scoring. There's actually a lot less focus on killing stuff. Or even if there is a focus, you've got to kill the right model at the right time with the right <laughs> model. So there's a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and with the latest edition, um, a real push on synergy. So by you know, getting a crew that thematically fits together, which mm-hmm. is a, a nice little adjustment. So it had been my main jam for a long time. Um, and then when the third edition sort of started getting tested, um, I'm a really bad games tester. So I signed up for it, hoping that I would be better, and I wasn't, and I didn't stay abreast of it. And then it's this kind of, you know, real challenging piece of no one wanted to play second edition because third edition was coming. No one wanted to play testing games because the rules were going to change next week. And now third edition's come out. It's been so long since anyone's played that they're all playing Star Wars Legion and 30K and Warcry and whatever else. Stuff that was out at the time. People, you know, we're a fickle bunch. So it's starting to gain a little bit of momentum again, and that's the kind of fun. Um, but that is that is Malifaux mm-hmm. in a nutshell. Um, well, how did you get into it in the first place? Was it just pure luck seeing it somewhere? Or? I got conned in by Pip. Um, so, yeah, and this is first edition when it first came out. Um, so it was a really new game. Um, I was playing Warhammer Fantasy pretty much flat mm-hmm. chat, and this was kind of the first game that, 
turned my head a little bit. I'd been saying no to 40K, played a little bit, but said no to 40K, said no to Infinity, said no to, you know, a lot of those other, you know, War Machine. Um, and this came out and it was kind of this, all right, you only need small models and there's some really cool stuff and the models were amazing. Um, and Pip conned me into having a couple of demo games and it was kind of a local scene building and that was kind of the beginning of the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I literally saw the the Guild Ortega box back when it was all single pose medals um, and literally said, I have to paint these. It's only, you know, eight models. I can paint eight models. That's not hard. Um, and I think I've painted most of them. <laughs> You've painted a few since. I, I've painted some, several since, but I, yeah, I should have actually finished that box. I wonder if I have. I don't know. No, I haven't. I definitely have not finished that box. Um, so, you know, that was first edition. They had 1.5. They had second edition. We're now on to third. So, a while ago, however long that was. Um, uh, and then from there, it was, you know, getting involved in building the community, actually becoming a henchman at one stage and, and running demo games and tournaments and that kind of fun. Um, and then, as I said, between second and ed, it all kind of died in the ass, and it's only starting to to rear its head again, which is fun, which is it's super exciting, kind of rediscovering a game. So that's where we're at yeah. right now. I um, I actually had my first Malifaux um, introduction without realising it. Um, oh, it's a while ago now, but um, a friend of a friend was playtesting a new RPG mm-hmm. and I hadn't done an RPG for a while I agreed to go along it was it was interesting and, and like the sound of it was was something different you know this steampunk era type place and, and portals opening up and, and all sorts of background which seemed impressive um, and the fact that you know the RPG as well was mm-hmm. played with cards that really intrigued me so I went to a couple of sessions and, of course, the uh, the very first fight that we had as a crew was against Teddy. And now he whips this, this Teddy model. I've looked at it and I'm like, that is awesome. And then, you know, we um, we met up and, and, and you were pushing Malifaux and I'm like, oh, what could I play if I played? Um, and I saw a, a Teddy model. I'm like, that's me. I'm done. So the first model I got, I don't know how long you were pushing for. Probably um, not long, to be honest. Not, probably not for me. Um, I'm easily swayed. Um, I grabbed Teddy and then never born with a thing because I've always gone for the bad guys. It's always, you know, chaos in any sort of 40K or Warhammer type thing. You know, Boba Fett and Darth Maul were always the coolest. Joker is, you know... He's above Batman in my eyes. It's always been the bad guys for me. So Neverborn just really grabbed me. Um, and then, so we started off playing Enforcer Brawl. Yes. So explain Enforcer Brawl. So an Enforcer Brawl is a, a variant of Malifaux. Same mechanics and everything, but it's a multiplayer option um, where effectively everybody has a single model. of Enforcer is a type of model. It's a station. You have a master, a henchman, an enforcer, um, which are generally, as the name suggests, kind of your, your 
beta models mm-hmm. in the game. Um, and the premise is, is you all go in and you try and kill each other. And when you die, you just respawn next turn and you just keep track of who kills the most. So it's this really kind of fast... Yeah, you can have as many play. I, I did a demo that had like twelve people that had never played the game before, um, at PAX, and it was the most chaotic thing ever. But you can basically run as many people as you want in a game, and alongside just the the stupidity of the game and this concept of respawning is this kind of side game of, oh, but you know Jerry's going to win if we let him. Don't kill him. So why don't you not kill me and you kill him instead? And this kind of <laughs> negotiation phase creeps in as well. Um, uh, you know, and you add you know any kind of beverage to that, and it gets infinitely more fun. So it was also our go-to after a um, a tournament, or a, you know, if you have a two-day tournament that night in between, was basically Enforcer Brawl Central. Um, so that's the concept of the Enforcer Brawl. It means that you only need one model, um, which in a lot of instances meant that I could supply models for everybody. Or if you get in, it's nice and cheap. This is it. It was also a really good way to just to, to get people going because you only need one model, right? Um, and it's a, a really easy way to scale up. And guess what? Teddy's an Enforcer. So played well for me. Um, and I really like, I've always loved multiplayer more than one-on-one like I, I can play and I can try and win if I'm playing one-on-one and generally I'm not too fussed you know like if I stuff up I stuff up and but there's this that sort of added pressure for me mm-hmm. you know if it's one-on-one if it's you know we used to play way back when I played 40k we would generally play two on two or two on three um and it the thing it does to my brain is it's just there's less it stress. It stops being a game with a winner and a loser and starts being about the the story. Yeah. That you're, what plays Shits out. and The craziness. Um, even back in the day playing Warhammer, those kind of games where you literally had... You, you come up with a scenario and you'd have you know somebody that didn't necessarily have the same size army defending something against a, mm-hmm. a big... It's that kind of fun. Um you know, you come up with your own wacky ass rules and, and what they, it just, it removes a level of competitiveness from the game and you just. You, you and that's, that's always been my preference, um, which, you know, is funny considering some of the games that, that I do play, um, in particular, you know, Blood Bowl, for example, which is, is pretty much always one-on-one. Yeah, there are multiplayer variants, um, but I'm not sure that you can play Blood Bowl too seriously, though. You need to no, accept well, that Blood Bowl is the enemy of Blood Bowl's everyone. great because, you know, the dice will always go against you. Um, so you can always blame the dice. But um, Enforcer Brawl just had that real grab for me because, A, I could use Teddy. Mm-hmm. B, it's something new and interesting. And it's multiplayer. And, and like, who, who gives a shit who ends up with the most points at the end of the day? What it is is, is X amount of models running into the centre, beating the crap up out of each other and people are laughing and It becomes fun. about those moments that yeah. really stupid shit happens and it's just, yeah. Um, so, yeah, the enforceable is how I've hooked several people <laughs> into the game and then you kind of go from there and people just sort of decide how deep they want to go from that point on. Um, I think, yeah, the first game we played was like a... Was it the five-player? I think that was the first game I played. Yeah. Yeah, five-player Enforcer Brawl. And 
everyone there, out of everyone there, I was the only one that had their own model. Yes. Um, you supplied models for everybody else. I had Teddy by that point, so I was happy. Um, yeah, Teddy's not my go-to for every game, but, you know, he figures he's in a lot of games. Um, but, yeah, so Enforcer Brawl, that was really an easy way to get in. I think I've had a, a couple, you run a couple of quick intro games mm-hmm. here on various board game nights or whatever. Um, just, you know, a bit of fun and it's, it's easy to pick up and, you know, even people that don't generally play sort of miniatures games can, can have a bit of fun with it. From there, the next step up is Henchman Hardcore. Correct. So, again, slightly modified version of the game in that it's four models only. Um, so it's a reduced cost that I keep forgetting um, because the app does the crew building for me, which is really useful. Um, but basically, it's a smaller game, maximum of four models. Um, you reduce how many cards um, in your hand you get each turn to to kind of compensate for only having four models. Um, and instead of look, a big thing with Malifaux as the whole game is that the objectives are randomly generated, they're different every game, and you choose from a pool of objectives. Um, so you might be trying to achieve slightly different things to your opponent, and there's this kind of um, secondary bluffing game of what am I actually trying to score because you don't know, so it's hard for you to stop me. Um, that goes on. With Henchman Hardcore, um, theoretically, if you stick to the letter of the law, it's supposed to be 30-minute games. Um, we went slightly over that. Yeah. Um, but we also, who cares about the letter of the law? Um, and they're fixed objectives. So they give you the same ones each game, so it's nice and straightforward. There's no sort of, you know, prepare and set up. You can just throw your models down and start playing. Yeah. Um, so it's a little bit more, again, straightforward, um, but it's also a really good way to start seeing how models interplay with each other and different abilities and stuff like that and start talking about objectives and, and just it's a really good next step up into yep. the, the main game. Um, so, and to be honest, it's the way I've been relearning how the game plays um, by getting a few of those games because, you know, you've got less models, you've got less um, things going on. It gives you a little bit more time to check rules. Um yep. And one thing with Malifaux too is that every single model has different abilities. So the more models you've got, the more abilities you've got to think about. Um, you know, some of them will bounce off each other. Some of them you, know, you might not be specifically using for that type of game. Um, but yeah, having four models... Um, makes that slightly easier. It, it, yeah, it limits how many crazy things can happen and it gives you a little bit of a chance to get your head around some stuff. Mm-hmm. With when being able to ignore some of the rules is actually kind of really useful, I find. It's kind of like learning the game in chunks. Yeah. Um, so, Hardcore, as I said, it's kind of been our, our go-to for, for relearning and then from there you can kind of scale up into just add add the rest of the rules in as it, as it fits. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Hardcore is exactly what we played. Yeah. Um, yeah, and apart from Henchman, Henchman Hardcore, there is, is, is there a name for the, they don't call it anything specifically, they just call it Malifaux, don't they, after that? Yeah, so. it, it basically is just playing Malifaux, the game, um, beyond that, and look, they basically say you can create a game of any size, mm-hmm. um, they give you a recommended game, and that's kind of where it's play tested and balanced, and they look, they do push it as a competitive balanced game um so there is a lot of work 
it goes into making sure that you know each faction and crew and stuff is relatively balanced across it and they balance it by faction too which is the other challenging piece probably mm-hmm. um so you know uh the outcasts for example have you know seven or eight probably a couple more masters that you, you could have lead your crew and they all bring slightly different ways of playing um but the outcast faction is balanced against the neverborn faction mm-hmm. um not every model theoretically models that cost the same will do approximately the same stuff but you know it, it, it's an art not a science yes um i obviously we played a few enforcer brawls to get me into it we played a, i think we played one henchman hardcore and then i actually went to a tournament <laughs> which is something I don't do generally, especially for minis games. I don't think, I can't remember the last tournament I went to. Um, but I joined this tournament, which was done Raven. Yeah, somewhere. pre-gamers and collectibles out at Raver Hall. Yep. Um, um, and it was billed as a beginner's tournament, so it was beginner-friendly, which was nice. Um, I took my Neverborn crew. I, I think I lost, was it three games? I think I lost the first two and actually won the last one, so I was quite proud of myself. Um, but in doing so, I won a door prize mm-hmm. at that tournament, which um, started my little collection on this this carnival scenery that we used, which was... Uh, it's, I like it. It's pretty. It's It comes... You know, you just stick it together. It's pre-painted. I don't have to worry about it. Um, so <laughs> I'll stick some photos on the Facebook page about from the game last night um so you guys can kind of see what we were doing mm-hmm. um but yeah what we played was henchman hardcore we played um a four on four obviously and i was never born and it was 10 thunders i think yes yeah. i was running the, the 10 thunders but it's yeah if we go through crews and mm-hmm. sort of who was there and what they did cool well, I had um, obviously four characters, but I had two the same in the end. So, so I've just got the three to go through. Um, Angel Eyes was my henchman. Now she comes in the starter from Second Ed, mm-hmm. um, and she was. This was the second game I've used her in because she's something different. She's actually got a nice big rifle, um, so she's got to be arranged. Which I don't think is very common. It's for pretty Neverborn. pretty uncommon for Neverborn, being that they're these kind of you know demonic, you know they're, they're a more aggressive, more melee focused crew. Demon claws, yeah. 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 Um, um, so Angel Eyes, she's got uh, she's got a nice gun. She um, can't get charged by uh, opposing models, which is kind of nice, and she can shoot in con- into combat without any sort of risk of hitting her own dudes, um, which is good too. Um, from then, I had a an enforcer which which I love. Um, I've loved him since day one. His name is Killjoy. He's this big undead thing that that has a hook on a chain. You know, pretty much you know yells out "Get over here!" and and can yank people around. Um, he's a big damage guy, but um, he can also heal himself, which is good. Uh, I might talk about that a little bit more. Um, I love the model. You said to me when I first got the model, because I, I really pushed, I really wanted this model um, from the look of him. And you said to me straight away, you said, you know, that hook will mm-hmm. break off. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm like, okay, well, I'll be careful with it. That's fine. I can, I can be careful. I'm good. So I put him together and picked him up. I think the night that I got him and looked at him. I'm like, that's cool. And then I went to put him back down on the desk and the hook caught on something and broke off. And I'm like, seriously, like not even a day. Um, so I, I, I modified him. So the hook is normally in his hand. I, I put a, a chain on it and um, so it's more like a, a grapnel type hook. It's sitting on the floor of his base. It's got blood all over it. Um, I'm really happy with how he turned out. Yeah. Um, and on that, so mine... I didn't even let mine break. Mm-hmm. I uh, my killjoy. I looked at the sprue. I looked at the hook. I looked at the way because he basically holds it and is on like a chain, mm-hmm. um, but hanging off his hand like he's swinging it. Um, the chain's all wrapped around his arm, so yeah. it's part of his arm generally. Yeah. Um, I actually I, can't remember what he looked like without. I clipped it off, so I clipped the chain off, and I gave him a little pirate hook hand. And that, that's right, yeah. yeah. I think because I've learned about him through seeing yours yeah. and loved him. Yeah. And then because that wasn't enough, I also gave him a peg leg. Yeah. Uh, so, Because <laughs> pirates, we've talked about pirates already. This is it. Um, but yeah, Killjoy. Killjoy. Legitimate thing. Yep. So, so my two enforcers that I usually use for enforcer brawls uh, sort of alternate between Teddy and Killjoy because just I love the models so much. Um, and then for my third and fourth guys, I use blood wretches. Now they also come in second ed starter, and I'd never used them before. They're kind of you know weedy guys. I've got you know, only a little bit of health, um, but they they have this free action that they can use. Every, everybody's kind of got a free action, is that right? Generally, generally, yeah. um, and some of them are good, and some of them you know, are situational. Uh, situational, exactly. Um, these guys. They have this ability where they can take one damage and then move themselves an extra three inches. So I thought, I uh, looked at them, I thought, okay, well, yeah, or use them because A, I haven't used them before. B, two of them equals exactly how many points I've got left. Um, See, and, I only have to remember the abilities of one model. Exactly, exactly. So I thought I'd give them a go. Um, but they, I was really happy with them. They, they, they performed. They performed. They did. Um, so, and I was running uh, 10 Thunders crew. Um, so leading the crew, henchman hardcore. So the name suggests you need a henchman. Um, so they're basically one down from a master. I have been trying to get some of my backlog of models painted. Um, so I legitimately painted a couple of henchmen over the last you know, month or so, clearly not between these podcasts, but so I had a couple to choose from. Um, and I went with Fuhatsu. So Fuhatsu, um, as a model is this kind giant guy who is a couple of fries short of a happy meal. So he's, you know, he's not completely sane. Um, so what they've done in, you know, true wisdom is giving him a giant Gatling gun and there are just two little guys behind him, pushing him forward on his base. It looks amazing. It's the coolest model. <laughs> it's I just think. hilarious. I first saw that last night. I'm like, what? Are they pushing? Yeah. Yeah. They just push him forward and he just holds the big old Gatling gun and it's it's crazy. Um, and look, the other the other partial joy of putting him on the table again is he was absolute pants in second ed. He was okay. no good. Um, and 
by the end of second ed, I'd played a lot and I ended up taking a, a, going to a tournament and taking him along and playing him in every game and forgetting about winning the game and just seeing how useful I could possibly make him. Okay. Um, but that involved building a crew around all the different abilities that could possibly make him useful. Yep. Um, so I was spending a lot of um, resource on doing things to you know give him an ability so I could do another thing with another model that interacted with an ability. And so my entire crew was just focused on him getting pushed forward mm-hmm. and doing stuff. Um, you know, they, they did a bit of a balancing act in third ed and it could be that the time of Fuhatsu to shine. So we, we put him down on the table as a leader. Um, then I went, all right, well, let's actually put something down that could do useful things. And um, Dawn Serpent, and it's one of those kind of models that second ed, yeah. Um, but he's basically just a, a, a like a little dragon. There's a very big dragon. He's the little version. Yeah. Um, and he just kind of seemed good at everything. He had decent movement. He's got a ranged attack. He's got a little bit of a heal. He's got a decent melee. So there was really no going wrong as far as I could see with him. Um, and then I grabbed, I, I started trying to go, crap, how many you know, points have I got left? What do I need to do? Um I put in, again, just try models I hadn't tried, Lust. So one of the, the Crossroad 7 is a band that comes as a crew box. And there's one model from every faction in that band. Um, and Lust is the Ten Thunders model that comes in and she plays the fiddle. Um, so Devil came down to Georgia and Lust came down on the table. And I had no idea what she did at that point in time. Um, but it was interesting. And then with uh, a massive five points left... Uh, tanuki um and they're basically a little drunken panda critter um so a little trash panda and reading through this model's cards i i kind of remembered what i loved about malifaux uh, again because <laughs> you know each of the things they can do is an ability and all those abilities have names so you can refer to them but we have fun things like beer goggles and a defense ability called I'm a teapot. Um, you know, and his attack, he just is a jug swing because he's drinking out of a big old liquor jug. So um, the giggles came in. Oh, yeah. And you I, said these things. I was like, this, this sounds like the coolest thing ever. This is this is great. So that that was the crew, the Fuhatsu, Dawn Serpent, Lust, Tanuki. We'll put them down. And then during the game, I kind of worked out what they did. So the basic... Basic way that Malifaux plays, it's a, it's a skirmish game. You've got a little crew, a small number of models. Each model will um, move certain inches across the board. You place down the terrain and try and basically, like Jay said, it's there's a lot of it which is more doing other stuff rather than just going all out to kill your opponent. Um, the models themselves obviously have different uh, abilities. They have different stats. Um, there's a defense stat, a willpower stat, a movement stat, and a size, which I don't think came into anything. Not really. No. Um, and it's just a matter of... The good thing about Malifaux, which I found, is that you've got your four or however many modules, depending on the version, Um but you alternate, so we you flip a card at the start of each turn for initiative, and the highest number gets to choose who goes first. Um, incidentally, I didn't win a single one of those last night. 
the one that I got a decent flip on, you matched, and then I flipped a two for the following. But anyway, um, what I really like is that whoever goes first, for example, goes first with one of their models. Yep. And then it goes to the other person. They use one of their models and back and forth until you're all used up. You're not going, okay, well, I'm going to go first. I'm going to move all four of my models in and do all this Yeah, why don't you just go to the bar and give me half an hour and then I'll... You know, come back and I'll I'll have a toilet break and you take your turn. Yeah, it's this constant engagement as well, which I love. And so, so part of the game also becomes, okay, well, I want to do this with this guy, but is now the right time, yeah. or do I move my other dude first? So, each each character you've got two things that you can do, and some of them obviously have a free activation which they can do on top of that. Um, so you move your actions can be attack or move up to your move in inches you can generally charge which is move your move and then do a, a close combat attack um there are other bits and pieces that you can do not i don't think i paid i didn't do anything apart from that well the only one was the the interact action that you can do to like drop a skin marker oh, or yes, drop yes, a marker yes. um so you're bouncing back and forward with your opponent and and so you're constantly thinking, right, okay, is this the model that I want to use right now? And and there were quite a few moments last night when I was going, okay, this guy's nearly dead. Do I want to use him first? Or some, this this other thing kind of seems more important, you know? So it becomes that, that balance in your head trying to work out which to do. Um, and yeah, you take turns, it's great. Um, and each game has certain objectives. Now, as you were saying, for a normal game, you basically get to kind of pick and choose. Yeah, so you, you generate kind of a, a pool of objectives that you both choose from. So, and it might mean that I have slightly different objectives to what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's usually one main objective um, that we both are, are achieving and then two side ones that could be, you know, they're, they're two of a potential five that you mm-hmm. generate um, out of a potential however many schemes they've actually created for the game. Yeah. With the Henchman Hardcore, though, they're all set, which is great. Um, it means I don't have to worry too much about generally about what you're doing because you're trying to do the same things that I'm doing. So um, not knowing as much about this game as you do, but, you know, if I if you started putting down tokens for some reason... I'd have no idea what you were doing. Um, which which kind of defeats the purpose of the bluffing game of putting down tokens for a reason to make your opponent think that you're doing something when actually you have another cunning plan. Yeah. Um, um, but anyway. Um, so, yeah, Henchman Hardcore. The schemes that there are... So the first one's plant explosives. So you're... Um, you've got five yeah. tokens that you can allocate amongst your crew. Um, your minions, which is your basic yeah. low-level guys, which, you know, my blood wretches were, were minions, um, can take one of these tokens yeah. and other people can take two. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that you need to use an act- activation uh, to drop one of these markers uh, on the opposite half of the board. So they're little dynamite markers, right? So theoretically, you you load up your crew with dynamite and the idea is to blow up the other guy's territory. Yep. Um, So you you all grab your dynamite and you run across the board and you drop it down and as long as you blow up more of their territory than they blow up of yours... It's happy days. Yeah. So the way this plays out in the game is you can use one of your actions to drop a little marker on their half of the board. 
Um, and if you have more markers, then you have points for that game uh, at the end of each um, turn. You, you get another point. You can also pick up markers that have been dropped. So theoretically, I could have somebody scouting behind trying to collect all the bits of dynamite that you've dropped and throwing them back over the fence. Um, yep. So that's kind of the primary objective um, and the one that you get most points from. Yeah. And the way the way that Malfo works is obviously score you score points depending on what you're doing. Um, obviously, the most victory points at the end of the game wins. Um, and for the plant explosives, you are basically getting one victory point each round if you've got more tokens on the board than victory points that you've already scored for this. Yes. So on... Two points for plant explosives. Next round I need to have a third dynamite marker down or... To get a point. To get a point point. for it. Um, So that's really interesting. Plus you can't plant these markers within six inches of of another one that you've planted. Yeah. And the other fun bit I like about this is the fact is like me scoring doesn't necessarily exclude you from scoring. So we can both be just racking out points for this. So it does become when you're trying to work out who's going to win at the end of the game, how can I reduce your score, not just increase mine? Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that's that's the main one. The other one's um, Assassinate. Murder Which the leader basically is murder the leader. So, what you can do is, if uh, the enemy leader has less than half their health left, uh, but is still on the board, you can basically say, "Well, yeah, there's my assassinate point." You get one victory point for that, and then at the end of the game, if the lead, if the opposing leader is out of play, you get another one. Mm-hmm. Um, if you manage to kill their leader all in one go then you're not going to get that first victory yeah. point. You're only going to get the one at the end of the game. So it becomes sort of a bit of strategy as well, trying to not necessarily kill things outright, but um, trying to get the most victory points that you can. Um, and then the other one is Vendetta. So you choose a non-leader, non-leader. It's important from the last game. The game before, I cho- I didn't read it properly, chose the leader, so I didn't score anything. Um, so you choose a non-leader on the opposing side of an equal or higher cost to one of your guys. Um, if you're, the model that you've chosen is dealt damage mm-hmm. by the model on your side that you've chosen mm-hmm. um, and is below half health, you can reveal it and get one victory point. And at the end of the game, if... Um, that model's off the board. If yep. you've managed, and it doesn't really matter how, if, mm-hmm. they're, if they're dead and no longer involved in the game, then you get another point. Yep. Um, so again, this is literally one of your models looking at somebody slightly bigger than they are and going, right, you're mine. Um, and if they make an effort at that and um, you know deal some damage and get them down to half wounds, you get a point. If they get killed by the end of that um, and you're still on the board, then you win. Cool. So hopefully that makes a bit of sense. Um, you know, if you've played a skirmish game before, it's it's you know a similar sort of strategy. Uh, the main difference, of course, is that you're you're using cards. So with henchman hardcore, you get a starting hand of four cards. Um, you're flipping for initiative every time you're trying to attack somebody. You're flipping a card. Um, everything is done by cards, and that's that's really the main difference here. Um, apart from the setting and the, the beautiful models and all that sort of stuff. But um, what we might do is take a quick break, if that's cool, cool. Yep. and uh, then we'll go into the game in a bit of depth. Let's do that. 
back. Hooray! Yay! All right. Um, so, without uh, any further ado, we'll go into the game itself. Um, so, Henchman Harcourt, four players per side. Um, the schemes we've gone into, so you're basically trying to drop markers and kill particular guys, mm-hmm. but not generally kill them outright. Um get them down to half and then kill them later. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we flip for... We draw a hand, and it's four cards, and the, the cards are your normal, you know, two to... Is there an two ace? To there, is, there is an ace. Oh, there's an ace, there's, yeah. So yeah. there's an ace to king with, with an jokers. An ace is a one in this game. Yeah. Um, and the jokers in the deck, the red joker is the best card in the game. The Black Joker is the worst card in the game. So, yeah, there's a bit of luck and and obviously you've got your hand so you can kind of usually supplement what you flipped with um, something from your hand if you think that'll be better. And the the way it goes is that whoever's losing basically gets to cheat first if they want. Mm -hmm. Um, So, five rounds. Uh, End of the game, most victory points wins. So turn round, uh, turn one rather. We turn one pretty much is usually going to be everyone going forward. Yeah, it's kind of that get into position stuff. Yeah, so, um, so. not an awful lot was going on. Um, I think the second or third guy that I moved forward was Killjoy, and he got into range. I think you you got him. Yeah, so the way the way this played out is the table has a bit of a killing field in the middle of the game, in the middle of the table. Um, so I, um, with my other models, kind of went a little bit wide to try and find some space to, to drop some stuff and then put Fuhatsu in his giant-ass Gatling gun right in the middle of as far forward as he could get to, to shoot as many things as he could. Um, and Killjoy just wandered on forward. Yep. And, this is kind of what he does, but uh, then he got shot. Yeah, he got Quite shot a bit. fair amount. I think he's he got did. ten health. I think I've got it down that he um, had nine damage in the yeah. first round. So you know, I got. I think I managed to get three shots off on him. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two base attacks and one extra ability um, that Fuhatsu had, and had nine wounds on him at the end of that. And I yep. was looking pretty, pretty juicy, um, sweating a little bit at this point in time because. He was my vendetta target, mm-hmm. um, and the Dawn Serpent was the one that needed to do a do the damage. wound. <laughs> and if I did the damage with the Dawn Serpent now, Killjoy would die, and that wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. So I needed to somehow... And I knew he had a couple of healing abilities, so I'm like, all right, well, we'll just leave him alone now, yep. and he'll heal one or two, and then the Dawn Serpent can do its job. That, that was kind of the plan. That sounds like a plan. Um, I know you used Lust on Killjoy. Um, she managed to get something off which made him yeah. go and kiss one of my blood wretches. Yep. She has an ability called Now Kiss, um, where you basically take a model and you take one of your enemy's models and you go put it in base-to-base with one of your other enemy's models. Um, and they, they pass on a little bit. Um so this, the plan with this was use Lust to reposition Killjoy closer to the Dawn Serpent, who I put way too wide, um, so we could actually try and murder him. I didn't turn. even think of that, but yeah, no, that definitely came into play. Um, Killjoy, as we said, has a couple of healing things, uh, which is good, um, because he was, yeah, he was literally on one. Um, the great thing about Killjoy is that the, when he's 
killed, he heals for and he's buried, um, which means that he can pop up a little bit later in the game. Um, but, you know, not at that point yet. The only other thing which really happened in turn one was the Blood Wretches I've gone into already where they've got this ability which will basically give them a point of damage, um, but then they can uh, move an extra three inches. And so by doing that, I was able to move uh, six inches, which is their move in the first activation for the, one of them, use this ability to push him an extra three inches, which got him into your half of the board, mm -hmm. and on his last activation, he dropped a uh, explosive counter, yeah. which scored me the first victory point for the game. And that's pretty much how turn one ended. Um, after that, it became the usual sort of free-for-all shitstorm. Uh, so turn two, I think I uh, I ran Killjoy into your leader um, first off and tried to do a bit of damage. Your leader seemed a bit hard to kill. Yeah, so literally and really called hard to kill, um, which basically means it's harder to do damage to him. He has some armor and he's got an ability to heal. So I was, look mildly sweating no killing knowing that killjoy can do some damage but reasonably confident i could wear at least one activation mm. um but what i also did was with killjoy he's got an ability where he, when he does some damage um as long as you flip a particular card type of card uh he gets to heal an amount of damage equal to the damage that he's dealt so i think i hit your leader twice for like two points each or something mm -hmm. each time um, maybe, yeah, no, two points for him. Um, so he healed himself back up, and then he discarded a card to heal himself back up a bit again. So he was, you know, he finished. After that, he was back to about something like eight or something. Yeah, he yo-yos, and you'll see this thing as a thing. <laughs> His wounds just sort of go up and down, and, um, yeah, it was tougher, tougher to kill than I expected. And, again, this is probably me coming from second ed when I knew how hard he was to kill, um, and he got harder to kill. Which um, is great for me. So, um, yeah. Um, for me, uh, turn two, a couple of things happened. One is I remember that we actually had objectives, so actually dropped a couple of dynamite markers. Mm -hmm. um, and at this point, there's a little bit of a you know predicament. I had the Dawn Serpent there with two markers that he needed to drop, mm -hmm. um, but also I needed to do some damage to Killjoy, who was, again, standing in front of my leader on my side of the table a long way away um so i think uh lust came into her own again and she mm -hmm. threw him right back into the mix yep after that um, bounced around a bit killed away so uh, easy yo-yoing all over the board and in wounds um your dragon then then laid into killjoy um did an extra an extra two damage or something it, yep. it got him got him below half so you're able to score the first vendetta point on turn two, um, uh, my angel eyes decided to. She dropped a token, uh, so that was my second explosive token out, which was good. Um, managed to. She shot the piss out of lust. Shot point. the piss out of lust, um, and lust was my vendetta. Mm -hmm. um, so I had a blood wretch with a vendetta on lust. So I got. Um, I got lust down. Yeah. So angel eyes shot her. 
twice, I yeah. want to say, yeah, and dropped so. her to almost half wounds. Mm-hmm. And then the little blood wretch used that uh, bonus action to sort of sneak out from around the corner and mm-hmm. dive in and take one wound off her, which got you your vendetta as well. Yes, um, but I had to be careful too because I realised that if I went in too hard with the blood wretch, um, I was going to kill Lust, which, yes. again, was not going to score me anything. Um, so... You pushed her away and went and tried to yeah, get her to Yeah, I, I managed to, to attack and with the attack managed to push Lust away um, and then push myself up to four inches um, in any direction. So I moved the Blood Wretch close to your leader, um, which you know got me a point for Vendetta, got me a point for a second point for Explosives. You got a point for Explosives and a point for Vendetta. So we're looking at 3-2 at the end of round mm-hmm. two. Um, turn three, Lust is the other half of the board. Yeah, so she had like one wound left or two wounds left, and at this, I knew he was the vendetta target, so her job for the rest of the game was to hide. Um, so she literally just took first activation, legged it as far yeah. away as she possibly could, and hid behind some terrain for mm-hmm. the rest of the game. And she um, did well. Disappointingly, too far away to come back right at the end and get me some extra points, but... Um, well, she, she dropped a token in turn three as well, which was your second token. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Kildro did about seven damage into your dragon. Uh, your dragon then decided to heal. Um, and, you know, I, I saw how, how much of the healing on Killjoy just screwed up your plan. Yes. Um, and then I got a taste of it with the dragon as well, because the dragon, well, and your leader, your leader was just healing all over the place. Um, your dragon healed and decided to to spit fire onto my blood wretch and killjoy and give them both burning, which will do more damage at the end of the round, um, which was fun. Um, the this is when you ended up getting the, the blood wretches into my leader as well. Yes, yeah, so I got both blood wretches into your leader, plus um, finally managed to get your leader down below half by the end of it. So so I scored the first point for assassinate. Um, there, I scored another point for vin- uh, sorry for explosives. Mm-hmm. You got another one for explosives, so we're yep. sitting on 5-3. Exactly right. Uh, turn four... Your panda. The trash panda. The trash panda killed Kildroy. He, he came out of... And Finally. This was a bit of a Hail Mary by me. <laughs> um, he's not really known for his uh, you know, combat prowess, um, but he yeah, literally dove in there and, and swung his little booze jug a couple of times, and I was just like, I need to get Kildroy after. He's my vendetta target, so I need him dead at the end of the game. Um, so I need to throw every possible thing I could possibly throw at him. And I managed to, you know, cheat because Killjoy is terrifying. So every time you want to attack him, you need to pass a, a willpower check to be able to do that. Otherwise, you're too scared. Managed to do that. He threw his little jug in. And I, I think you only failed the terrifying like once in the whole game. Yeah. Yeah, they did all right. I was I was pretty happy with that, um, given my hand was pants. Um, <laughs> so there wasn't a lot of cheating going on. Um, and was that the, the Tanuki moment? That was these severe... Which, uh, which moment was that? There was a point here where, and I can't... I think it was the Tanuki that did it, but he had to hit Killjoy 
Killjoy's got three wounds left. Mm-hmm. He throws his little jug at him and he whacks him over the head. And the way it works is if the card I flip to attack and the, the value I end up on is very close to the value that um, the, the defender has, um, I have to flip more cards and basically pick the worst one. Yes. That was it. Right. Yep. So the way this happened is the Tanuki goes in and whacks him with a jug and the score is exactly the same. So we're both sitting on a score that doesn't matter now. Yep. Um, so I have to flip um, and Killjoy is hard to wound. So at this point in time, I'm flipping three cards. I had some bonus. So I go three cards and picking the worst one. Yes. I need to do severe damage to kill Killjoy. I need to do three wounds. And what's severe? Severe is anything from and a jackup? Yeah. yeah. So th- there's not that many. Um, 11, 12, 13, Rage Yoko. There's you know, that many cards. Yep. Um, so I've got to flip three cards and I need... The, the severe, unfortunately, I've got to pick the worst one. So if I flip an eight and a two and a 12, I've got to pick the two. I flipped three cards. All three of those cards were 12s. It was, yep. Yeah. And I just looked at it and like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> yeah, and it was just one of those moments where he just, you know, cracked the top over that bottle and just stabbed him in the jugular. Um and the little trash can game became the model of the match at that point in time for me. Um, <laughs> Which was, yeah, it was frustrating. But at the same time, Killjoy had been pretty much the target for, for the whole game. Um, I'd been healing him as much as I could, left, right and centre. But at the same time, when Killjoy dies, he gets buried. He heals four, so he goes, you know, he originally starts on ten, so he'd go back up to four. And he gets buried. And then I can sacrifice one of my blood wretches to bring him back on four health. This is important to know because for me to score the points for Vendetta, uh, the model I have a Vendetta against, Killjoy, needs to be not in play at the end of the game. So, Does Buried count as being in play? Buried does not, so he so needed, he needed to, be to be back be... on the board. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he was buried, it was fine. If he was dead, he was fine. Um, if he's back on the board, that's bad. And it was this point in time that I've discovered this ability. I went, oh, this is maybe a problem. But I didn't know that the wretches could kill themselves <laughs> to bring him back. So I still, I was like, all right, so I just need to not kill anything. Mm-hmm. Not let you kill me. If nothing dies, everyone is fine. Yes. So what did we do? We we looked at that and we went, okay, well, I've got... A wretch in close combat with your leader. Yeah. So I thought, well, it's time for the wretch to go. So the wretch had his two activations. He attacked your leader. He got him down to two or three or something. Yep. And then I killed the blood wretch. I sacrificed the blood wretch and out pops Killjoy. And part of the um, the ability with, with bringing him back is he can activate straight away, even if he's already activated that round. So he popped back up right next to your leader and then just went to go murder beast. Um, Um, And unfortunately, my leader sitting on my side of the table away from everyone else. Um, Killjoy was now untouchable as mm -hmm. far as I'm concerned. Um, So he was definitely going to be on the table at the end of the game. Um, And my leader was not, which means you get points for assassinate. At the end of the game. So... um, 
Um, at this point, you, with your, I think with your, what was that? No, that wasn't at that point. So I didn't manage to place a token that, that round. So um, you had as well. So that put me on, f- stayed at five and you went to four. Mm-hmm. So one thing I love about these henchman games is, is how close they are. So I think uh, this is the third one we've played in a number of weeks. And they've all been within one or two, which has been, yeah. yeah. And, and to be quite honest, as far as I'm concerned, if I uh, if I get a uh, um, somebody who has played as much Malifo as you and I lose by one or two, then that's a win for me. Yep, I um, But yeah, so, so end of turn four, we're looking at five, four, to me, mm-hmm. and um, Kildra's back on the table. Angel Eyes hadn't been hit at that point. Her, really. um, Lust is off hiding. I'm down to one blood wretch, mm-hmm. um, but there's still obviously the dragon and the panda. Uh, the dra- the panda was in combat with, I believe, with the other Blood Wretch yes. at this stage. So when turn five happened, your dragon dropped another token. Yep. Um, I decided that my Blood Wretch was you know, probably going to die, so I decided to activate him first. He decided to have an attack at the panda, and what happened there? Yeah, the, the, yeah all right. and this is the, the second moment where the panda became the model of the match for me. Um, so, panda survives the first attack. On the second attack, he has an ability called I'm a Teapot. And effectively what it does is it lets you take an interact action even while you're engaged. Normally you can't do that because you can't you know, do important things like pick up dynamite when someone's whacking you in the face. Um, and then just pick him up and move him six inches so you can put him you know, in all kinds of fun positions. Yep. The way this played out, though, is he was sitting... <laughs> Perfectly, I mind you. you. Yeah, he's touching one of your little dynamite markers in the centre of the table. So you hit him. I happened to have that one card that was the right suit that I needed to drop in. Mm-hmm. He picks up that dynamite marker and throws it away, um, effectively denying you a point there, and then threw himself into combat with Angel Eyes, um, knowing that the only other points I can possibly get at this at this page is to try and get her below half wounds. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's still alive. He's ready to activate, and he's just managed to reposition himself, deny a point, and reposition himself in a position he might do something useful. Yep. Um, and then he does. He hoed into Angelos, and she starts on nine, he- nine health, so to get your first point for assassinate by the end of the turn, she needed to be on four or less. Mm-hmm. He got her down to four. But then she goes... Um, and she managed to take out the panda, and she has an ability where after she kills an enemy model, she gets to heal one and can move herself two inches in any direction. So that one put her back on five, which is just over Just enough. So at this point in time, I had the points in the bag. I'm literally counting the score as, as we go, and he goes, oh, I've killed a model, I get to heal the wound. And at that point in time, I'm going, oh, crap, how do I scramble? I've only got lust left. The dragon's already gone, the panda's dead, and I need to take one wound off this model to get a- another point out of this game. Um, 
and I measured every possible thing and I read that card 14 <laughs> times and I discovered a lot of things that Lust can do that I didn't do in that game. Um, yeah, there are a few things. Sin tokens or something yeah, about sin tokens, which we didn't stuff there. And it started to, to piece together how the different abilities can interact. You can do one and then it kind of lets you do the next thing and... None of that was useful because I'd run so far five. away from her, um, from everyone, just to keep Lust alive, that there was nary a thing that she could do. <laughs> and at that point in time, I counted my chickens. Yeah. I think um, I think even if she was close enough, I probably could have shot at her and possibly killed her. Like she was still on two from Yeah, from it was, like it was still risky regardless. Turn two. Um, she was on two hit points and yeah one shot probably would have killed her yeah um killjoy's stuck up the other end of the table he's got nothing to do just laser token even though it's not going to do anything considering you took my token away uh, he lived that got you points he lived um so yeah end of the game i you got another one for your tokens um i scored assassinate for having your leader off the board um, which was a grand total of six to five. That's it. In my favour, which, yeah, I'm happy. Yeah, first win. I'm happy with that. Um, plus, it was a good game. It was like everything happening all at once. It was, I mean, your leader was, was healing left, right, and centre. Killjoy just went nuts One with the wound, healing. Seven wounds. Yeah. All wounds. Yeah, he's just up yeah, he, he bounced all over the place. Um, and, you know, the the. Burying, un- unburying, and attacking was was great. I was hoping um, with that. I was trying to plan it so that I could attack with him, and then he would die. Mm-hmm. So I get when I Two unburied him, of, I'd get another yeah. activation out of him. But um, you, you counted that at, at least. <laughs> I counted um, that with pure ass and yes. luck. Um, but apart from that, like it, it, was, oh, it was a fun game. Um. And that's that's how we ended. Um, overall, what did it take? What an hour, an hour and a half? Hour I think half. we spent it, on it. It's supposed to be thirty minute games. Yeah, plays in thirty minutes. Like hour, seriously, hour and a half. Um, so look, still, you know, when you compare, you know, two and a half hours for other games and stuff like this, it's pretty nice and yeah. easy. By the time we get the kids to bed, um, it's eight o'clock before we can start anything. We can knock a game out of this, have a, a, a chat at the end. And still get a decent night's sleep. Yeah. So on a weeknight. Um, so yeah, I mean that's that's henchman hardcore. That's how we played it. That's how it went. Um, overall thoughts on Malifaux. I mean, you know, you may be a little bit biased. I I am likely biased. That being said, look, Malifaux became my primary game for a long time, and I dove headfirst into the game and. I suppose Malifaux proper, so Henchman Hardcore aside, Malifaux the game proper, it is the most sort of, you know, tactical game that I've played. It's, you know, coming from Warhammer and 40k and all of, you know, Blood Bowl and a lot of those other games, this is just next level. Um, and the thing that made it hard by the end of second edition was the fact that you had so many models with so many rules mm-hmm. and you kind of had to keep up with it to and, and know what stuff does. So you don't get caught out by those moments of, oh, Killjoy Unburied, so that's a really bad vendetta target. Maybe you should pick someone else. So um, you, can, you really needed to know what your opponent's guys did, let alone what your guys did, which you know was something that, that, that struck me in um, that tournament that I went to. I mean, admittedly, that was my 
this third game, first actual game of yep. Malifaux proper was the first round of the tournament, but um, there's a lot. But even even veteran players got to the stage where they were going, I, I can't keep up. Third edition comes along and they've streamlined that a little bit. So if models had maybe slightly different abilities that were similar, but had slightly different names and whatnot, they've just called it the same thing. Mm-hmm. They do the same thing. So there's there's less of that. Um, it does seem to me, I mean, from what I've played, third ed does seem not not easier is not the word I'm looking for, but um, definitely streamlined, yeah. definitely a lot quicker to pick up. Yeah. Um, not having to read, you know, X amount of things on every single card and, go, you know, being able to go, okay, well, I've got hard to wound. That means that... Damage flips against this model suffer a negative. Um, you've got that. Yeah, if I so have an ability that's do. similar to that, it has yep. the same name. There's none of this kind of... Tra- and it's the difference between every model at the start being you know designed with this game in mind versus a game that's kind of grown organically and they've incre- included new stuff. And you know, mm-hmm. I get it. But um, that being said, <clears throat> we've now got you know all these factions and all these models and all these and stuff. It's still... The game is... Particularly, you know, it, the, the core mechanic is simple, mm-hmm. but it's how you know it's it's how you play your strategies and your schemes, and the fact that you've got that subplot with the resource management, with the you know the um, trying to work out what your opponent's doing, mm-hmm. um, as well as trying to understand what your models do, how they interplay, the crew building piece. So there's there's a lot of stuff in there. I am now at a stage where I probably don't have the time to invest to play Malifaux. You know, I was playing competitively. I was going to Canberra or Sydney and stuff to play. Not a chance. That being said, the game is that thematic. It's that cinematic. It's It gives you those moments and it gives you these really kind of um, amazing crews that you can build that just resonate because you love a theme. Like... Mm-hmm. Give me ninjas any day of the week and I can have a whole faction of ninjas. It's the coolest thing in the world. There's a samurai with a Gatling gun on his shoulder. Um, you know, there's this kind of stuff. Um, so there are teddies. That does it for me. Pick. Come on, come this is teddies. It, but, and there is probably a crew. If any single person came out to me and said, oh, but I like this, I can probably find something that fits. Um, so I think for me, it becomes that game that we play as a community, almost in a little bit of a vacuum, forget the competitive scene. Um, sure, we might play some tournaments, but they're going to be pretty pretty cruisy and casual. Yeah. Um, and I think that, for me, it, it suddenly becomes how can we start playing campaigns and leagues and, and that kind of fun mm-hmm. stuff, um, rather than getting into what could be a heavily competitive game. And that it, it's now about the story and the fact that we invest so heavily in the story and the background of all of the models and characters is the bit that will keep drawing me back in and why I can't really get away. Um, so... And there are books upon books of backstory and, and novel, like novelizations of things that are going on. For example, uh, Second Ed, I had two masters for Neverborn. Both of which have been pretty much not not necessarily killed off, but they don't exist in third ed anymore. Um, a means that you know the, the, those cards necessarily haven't been as updated as the other ones. I can still use them, 
but there's, I mean, the books and upon books upon books of backstory and is there is it podcast or something yes, like where they, they go do, story wise they do um the breachside broadcast is the name of it where they basically go through and it's, it's effectively an audiobook of the backstory and the fluff and all this kind of stuff they do really well produced and, and i'd recommend that one if you're interested even in you know hearing more about the the scene of the malifaux and and kind of the the setting that that's a really good one you can just kind of listen to the story um, all of the rule books, um, you know, from first set all the way through had, and it progresses the story. They've progressed the story through, you know, campaigns and, um, community events and stuff like that. But they make sure that, um, you know, there's, there's an area there where one of the characters in this massive explosion and in the next edition of the game, he suddenly has a robot arm and leg mm-hmm. that they've replaced. So it's, they do take those story elements and feed them into the game and vice versa. Um, and that's kind of the fun bit for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I definitely don't go into in depth. Um, there's, you know, there's a book for each faction which gives not only a rundown of each card and each each model that you can have for that faction, but gives you a lot of background and stuff. I haven't invested in the Neverborn one yet. I probably will at some point, but even you know, not paying as as much attention to to that as I do. I still love the the thematic look of the models and how they flow together. Um, you know, diving into Neverborn as I did, um, I haven't got an awful lot of models, but I've got some. But the way I wanted to do it is, I didn't want to go. Okay, what's the most strongest master, or what's the you know what are the the models that I need to to be competitive? I wanted to go. I've got a teddy what works what looks like a teddy what can I make into that theme you know um I like I like how how that flows and how I can pick models and go okay well these guys look great together Mm -hmm. and they they seem like they they belong together they've made a really good effort this edition specifically that you've got crews that I mean the crew boxes themselves kind of fit together thematically right um by the end of the last edition, you could kind of... The ideal crew was kind of a pick-a-mix from across the range. Mm-hmm. So you had these kind of... These crews were showing up to a, to a game that didn't necessarily look like they fit together. They've really made a good effort to make sure there's a lot of synergy and um, between the the crews that the, or the models are the same theme. So all of a sudden, you, you're rocking out with a crew that is you know, all the inmates of the asylum. Or it is, you know, it, mm-hmm. it's that kind of piece and they look cohesive. Um, the models are ridiculous. Like, as I said, we bitch about putting them together, but they're fucking gorgeous. Um, and, you know, that's that's another piece of it. Um, small model count, so you can spend a little bit of a time. Um, terrain intensive, I would say, for, you know, same games. Um, you know, not infinity level intensive but um because it's a skirmish game think of it more like a mordheim or a kill team kind of deal where you want a little bit of interaction with the terrain um so that could be a good or a bad thing depending on your inclination Mm -hmm. um look it makes things again it's it builds the cinema of the game and that's the bit i really like i mean for me it was it was all about the theme of the models the models themselves look amazing um, I love the idea of flipping cards instead of rolling oh. dice. If you're um, sick of dice, get involved. It's, it's in- incredible that just 
and having a little bit of control. Like, sure, your control hand might be, you know, two fours, a three, and a six, which isn't going to do much for you. Or it could be, like, um, I think my round two um, from memory was my four cards in my hand was something like a nine, an 11, a 13, and a red joker. And I, I can do anything I want with these cards. <laughs> World is my oyster. Um, so, I mean, that the models themselves, that's what got me in, but the, the game itself is, is nice and straightforward. Um, probably the only things that, that, that are anti it for me are, like, like we say, the models take some time. They're a bit fiddly, but that's because they've got so many pieces because they look gorgeous when they're done. Mm. Um, and, yeah, the, the amount of abilities and, and having to know kind of what your opponent's um, cards all do um, to be competitive, I would say. Like, for, for this sort of scenario, like, I didn't even look at your cards. I'm like, you yeah, know, I'm trying to hit this guy. Oh, I get a negative to hit because of this. Okay, fair enough. Whatever. Cool. I'll do that then. Um, I'm not going to... I can't see myself doing tournaments, but um, Henchman Hardcore for sure. Yeah. Um, Enforcer Brawl, bring it on. I want some Enforcer Brawls going on soon. Yeah, and I think that it's on the cards. I think that's being planned. Excellent. Um, I suppose the, the piece of me is I will probably, you know, it, there's a chance I would play tournaments, um, but that would be to catch up with people and talk and mm-hmm. play games and shit. It's, it's not going to be about Social trying aspect. to be competitive at all. Um, so... Yeah, and that's more about the community than the, the we could be playing, you know, Jenga um, <laughs> and some of those events would be fun. Uh, Hungry Hippos tournament I would attend. Um, but yeah, Malifaux, definitely if you're into, as I said, thematic, cinematic kind of, you know, sick of dice um, and objective-based games, definitely uh, a really good one. If you want something that's super deep and tactical and balanced and competitive, also really good. Um, if you want something super casual that you can kind of rock up, do not think about and and just roll some dice and drink some beers, or it might be a little bit of a hard pull. Um, play Enforcer Brawls. Play Enforcer Brawls. Brawl. One model. Yeah. That's all you need, one model. Like not selling the game, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know, but it's... Yeah, the idea of a game that you can play and have that much fun. Like, I, I could not believe how much fun I had with Enforcer Brawl for the you know twenty bucks or something or whatever it yeah. cost me for Teddy. Like, oh my god! But yeah, anywho, that is Malifaux in a nutshell, or our experience on Malifaux. I'm super keen to hear anyone else that's playing things that we got wrong, things that we should have done better. You know, cool shit that's happening games that you've done. Definitely just leave us a comment. Hit us up. Um, cool. We will kind of wrap it up there. So, um, scenario, for especially for Geelong, there's not an awful lot that's happening that we didn't talk about last time. No, it's all still happening. So, you still have the Throw the Dice painting competition on the 18th of July. Mm-hmm. Start painting, guys. Um, I will probably start... I'm going to say on the 1st of July, I reckon that's when it's going to kick off. Excellent. 18 days, what could go wrong? Um, and I also know that there's just been a bit of a teaser for Winter Wipeout, which is the big uh, Age of Sigma tournament that they'll be doing sometime in winter when they announce the rest of the details. So stay mm-hmm. tuned. But this is officially the, if that's your game, get your shit painted. Excellent. Um, I believe it looks like Guff is um, getting started, I believe, from their Facebook page at least, uh, getting started on Magic Tournaments, um, which would 
if that sort of thing is starting, that'll probably open some doors for, for games of, you know, Underworlds yeah. or whatever, um, which is great. I know that GW is still keeping very COVID-friendly or unfriendly, depending which way you want to look at it, um, and and keeping the distance. They haven't got anything lined up, which is you know, which is good and responsible, of course. Um, but you know, here's sort of thing: the, the, the restrictions the are starting to ease. We're starting to see us being able to to go out and, and play some games. So mm-hmm. I'm hopefully pumped to see some more events and and ways to do it. Um, but yeah, there's probably not beyond those couple of events, not heaps going on locally. Um, if you do have an event you you want promoted, again, hit us up, let us know about it. We're happy to, to shout out to whoever is, if you're doing something for gaming, um, that would be super cool. Speaking of people doing stuff for gaming, I did want to shout out to, I only discovered recently another local podcast, Hobby Homies. Um, and again, it's super casual. It's just about having some fun and chatting and painting some game, you know, playing, painting some models, playing some games. Um, it, it's it kept me going over the last couple of nights I've been painting. So definitely check those guys out as well. Um, it's some valid, it, it's some really good content to have just on when you're painting, um, getting some stuff done just to keep you motivated. Excellent. Um, and then lastly, before we go, just, I did, do a bit of a shout out for any feedback um, on the Facebook page. Um, did it last minute, yes, last night. So obviously, you know, limited, pe- plenty of time for people. To, but that's fine. Um, so we had a couple of things. First of all, my lovely wife just said, um, asked if we were going to talk about Barbies. Uh, have you bought any Barbies in the last two weeks? I have not, no. but. Charlie's only two, so look, we're probably a little bit behind that eight ball. <laughs> I have not either, so done. Yeah, that's that topic done. Um, Ryan did ask, uh, what sort of games are we going to be uh, doing the podcast on? It's mainly going to be minis games, because that's generally what we go for. Um, that being said, I have a lot of ideas mm-hmm. in my head. I um, you know, There's there's no reason at all why we can't do some, some conversations about some board games. Um, I am going to a, a good mate's place next weekend to, to get some gaming in, which is going to be great. He, he has so many board games, it's wonderful. He'll... Um, yeah. Um, we'll stick some vinyl on. A couple of us will get together. We'll play some games. I am so looking forward to this. It's and, not funny. And then look on that. I'm going away next weekend as well with a group of friends that are not gamers by any stretch mm-hmm. of the But we will be playing a bunch of just you know those kind of fun party style yep. board games and whatnot. So um, you know that kind of stuff is definitely going to probably gonna sneak in. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, you know, we can we can look at anything really, and, and if people have suggestions, by all means, fire fire them at us. Um, if you really want an opinion off me, um, suggest a historical game of any description because they're not worth playing. Um, I, I will, you know, it, just just to be a little bit kind of, you know, why not throw an opinion out there? If it happened in a long a long time ago in a galaxy far far away, it's probably a historical game. Um, so yeah, you know, Jason and I, yeah, we we do do have similar opinions on a lot of things. Other things we do not have similar opinions on, like um, you know, don't you dare diss Star Wars in this house for one thing. Um, you know, I named my son after Star Wars, so let's let's leave that alone. Um, I, on the other hand, I'll I'll give anything a go. If somebody wants to run through a game with me. 
whatever it is, I will give it a go if you knew. Preferably, you know, if it's something I haven't done or haven't played in the past, if if you know a bit about it and you want to give it a go with me, that's that's great because I'll, you know, that's I'm more likely to do that than than try and work, work it out, it for out myself. myself. Um, um, and you know, equally, we might get some more experienced voices yeah. giving you some feedback as well. Which would be great. Um, and yeah, look, there's so many games out there. I'm, I'm you know, half tempted to try and get you uh, to play some Dice Masters or, or I some CCGs with me. The other day, yeah, mm-hmm. prepared to watch you know mediocrity at its finest. Excellent. <laughs> Um, and lastly, uh, Glenn said, um, will you be going through brief, in brackets, or not, uh, how to plays of, of the games that you discuss? Um, I think tonight is probably on the more extensive side. We, you, know, you know Malifaux back to front. I have a bit of experience um, with it. We plan to play games that we have no experience with. Um, but because it was something that, that you are incredibly knowledgeable about, we might have given it a bit Yeah, look, if more. we know more about it, um, we're probably going to talk more about it because we're going to be more comfortable too. Um, so there's going to be games that we will have been playing for the first time and we're probably not a, not the best place to instruct. Um, but secondly, there's probably a question around whether this is the best medium to give instructional mm-hmm. how to play um you know I, i'm hoping more that this will be an insight into this is what the game is like give it a go if you're interested in x y and z mm-hmm. or maybe steer clear if you like don't like whatever yeah um yeah and then yeah the games that we play the most we will talk the most about because i think that's generally how it'll work um yeah i'm really looking forward to giving Warcry a go for example yes. um and i have played one Warcry. game in G- gw i painted up my models which yeah. is unusual for me um but i have models painted i have a crew ready to go and i, I also would have like a crew a game. ready to go we should do that at some stage yes um but don't expect the length that this one is or, or the the, no. the the background knowledge that um we've spent Burted and spewed at you tonight. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. Okay, on that note. <laughs>